Good evening, this is Pastor Logan, and welcome once more to our Wednesday evening Bible study. Uh, we're going to continue our journey through the book, uh, Celebration of Disciplines, by Richard J. Foster. I hope you're traveling along with us, and I hope you've learned a lot from it. Uh, there's a tremendous amount of disciplines in here uh, that we add to our lives um, in order to grow and develop and to be more uh, like Christ in the earth realm. We have a job to do while we're here. And that is to represent Jesus well. And um, it's unfortunate sometimes that uh, we give him a very bad image, that he's not necessarily what uh, we are presenting him as, um, because there's so much of ourselves that need to get out of the way in order for him to get through uh, and for him to live his life through us. Uh, really what he desires from us really is for us to die so that our lives would be, and that's what the Word of God says, it says our lives are hid in Christ. We are dead. And when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then we shall also appear with Him in glory. So understand that, that uh, God's goal for us is all the things that are not of Him for them to, to, to end and die so that the full measure of Christ can come out of our lives. So He needs our life. Uh, but he needs it in a way where he's totally dominating what used to be, and now he, it's all him. So let's pray, and we'll get right into it. Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for once more the opportunity to come together around you and to learn and to grow and to develop in the things of God. I pray, Father, that you would think through my mind this evening and speak through my lips. I receive your anointing to teach, and I thank you and praise you that it would go forth unhindered and unchecked by any demonic force. And I serve you notice, Satan, that you and none of your demonic entities will prevent this word from going through these airlines. And so we thank you for it all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right. Okay. Let me grab some water and we'll get going. Um, <clears throat> so we're in the, the latter part of the chapter on the discipline of confessions. And, uh, this chapter starts out with uh, the, a diary of a confession. And this is actually Richard J. Foster's own testimony of how confession affected his life. He didn't grow up, uh, I don't think, in a tradition of confessing and didn't really feel a strong need to confess. But he, he asked the Spirit of God, you know, is there anything that's hindering me from more power in my life? Not that there was anything obvious, no glaring sins and nothing like that. He just simply asked the God, examine me. I don't want anything to hinder me from being able to experience more of you. And I think that's a, that's a, that's a great question for all of us. You know, God, is if there's anything, anything in my past that is hindering the full effect of you to come out in my life that maybe I'm not aware of, and maybe I need to use this confession not as a, as a whining, complaining time, but really as a time to release something that needs to be released so that I can be healed and, and have more power to move forward. So it starts out like this. Number one says, Although I had read the Bible about the ministry of confession in the Christian brotherhood, I had never experienced it until I was pastoring my first church. I did not take the difficult step. I did not take the difficult step of laying bare my inner life to another out to another out of any deep burden or sense of sin. That's very important. You may you may be living a very good, normal, and not even not even a nominal Christian life, 
you just want to go up more. And you feel like there's more and the, and the Holy Spirit is impressing upon you more. And so just out of that sense, not out of, and I'm just, I'm just a wretched, terrible, oh, I need it. But out of a sense of, God, if there's more, I want it. If there's more and if there's anything that's just hindering me from more, I want it. And so check me, examine me, know me, because I want it. Uh, so he says, um, I did not feel there was anything wrong in the least, except one thing, I longed for more power to do the work of God. I felt inadequate to deal with many of the desperate needs that confronted me. Lord, I prayed, is there more you want to bring into my life? Good question. Is there more than he wants to bring into your life? Is there more than he wants to bring into my life? I want to be conquered and ruled by you. If there is anything blocking the flow of your power, reveal it to me. He did. Not by an audible voice or even through any human voice, but simply by a growing impression that perhaps something in my past was impeding the flow of his life. You know, I think businesses do that all the time. I think they have people who they pay good money to evaluate is there any impediments? Are there any bottlenecks? Are there any areas where the, the line is being broken down and we're not producing as much as we could? Uh, and so they ask themselves those kind of questions because productivity is everything to them. And if they're not being productive, then they're not making money. And if we're not being productive, we're not advancing the kingdom of God. So I think we all should, all, always should look and say, is there anything that is that is, there, is there a bottleneck in my life where God is not able to flow as well as he could? It's not that he can't flow. It's not as he, he's not flowing. But there's a big difference between a line, a water hose which with a little kink in it than a water hose that has no kinks at all. There's a big, big difference between something um, grabbing uh, or causing a, a slight, um, you know, inflection or difference in a, in, or indention in, in an area that causes the water or whatever to flow and to be hindered. Uh, and, and I know in my own life when something gets fixed, it makes everything that it makes it a lot more enjoyable. When, when something that has been working kind of so-so and you put a little time in it and get it fixed, go back and fix it, it's just enjoyable to take something and say, wow, now, now, now I get the full use of it. Now it works a little better. Number two says paper, paper in hand. This is talking about Richard J. Foster. It says paper in hand and then went to dear brother. I, I then went to a dear brother in Christ. I had made arrangements with him a week ahead. So he understood the purpose of our meeting. Slowly, sometimes painfully, I read my sheet. Now he's talking about a sheet that he went down as being led by the spirit of God he wrote down every single thing that that he knew of that that was just not you know that were issues in his life, and he just went down. I think God had already dealt with, dealt with someone before, but he just wrote them down and as an opportunity to share them and to confess them to someone else. He says slowly, sometimes painfully. I read my sheet, adding only to those comments necessary to make the sin clear. When I had finished, I began to return the paper to my briefcase. Wisely, my counselor, confessor, slash confessor, gently stopped my hand and took the sheet of paper. 
Without a word, he took a wastebasket and, as I watched, he tore the paper into hundreds of tiny pieces and dropped them into it. That powerful, nonverbal expression of forgiveness was followed by a simple absolution. An absolution meaning that he prayed over him, pronounced a blessing over him, pronounced the word of God over him. But isn't it amazing how this man had a release from some things that were going on in his life or may have, that he just wasn't even aware of, just out of a sense of obedience, went back and began to write down things that he, he, that he could be a stumbling block, could be hindering the power of God. He, didn't, he wasn't saying that those things were not forgiven because the word of God tells us when we come into to a life of, of Christ, that when we step into that life, we get a new life. Or we're born again. We're, we're new creations. It's though no things uh, in the past even exist anymore, but they do exist in our soul sometimes, and they do exist in a sense where we need to, to kind of shake them down. And I think another thing that happened, he doesn't say this, but I think it, it, it reduced him. It took pride out. You know, maybe sometimes God is leading us to make a confession simply for the purposes we've been walking in so much pride. You know, not obvious, not, you know, he's a very prideful kind of a guy. But, but, but from the standpoint of, of, of it, it reducing us down so that there's no pretensions in any area of our lives, that pride is not causing us to not for, to, 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 to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. And so, number three says, I cannot say I experienced any dramatic feelings. This is Richard again. He says, I did not, in fact, the entire experience was an act a sheer obedience with no compelling feelings in the least. But I am convinced that it set me free in ways I had not known before. It seemed that I was released to explore what were for me new and uncharted regions of the spirit. Boy, that just, that just rings in my spirit. There, there's a depth. You know, the Bible tells us that deep calleth unto deep. And I believe what that means is that God is so, so extremely deep. And there are come times in our journey to know him that there's a kink and, and we need to chisel or, or get a, a, a rock pick out and knock that thing out of the way so we can go even deeper with him. And, and there's nothing wrong with the, the pick being there. It, just, it, it, it represents a place where unless we deal with it, we can't get to the mother Lord. We can't get even in deeper in the things of God. And says, following that, that event, I began to move into the, into several of the disciplines described in this book that I had never experienced before. I wonder what awaits you and I. I wonder what awaits you. What what separates us from from a deeper, more powerful walk? Is there anything? Is there something that if I just took a good brother or sister in Christ? And say, hey, can I can I take a minute of your time? Can I get, can you give me an hour? I want I want to sit down and share some things with you that are going on. I want to share what it's like to be in my life, what it's like to be to walk in my shoes, and, and if there's there's something that might break when we do that, I want to know. Uh, was there a cat? Um, he says I began to move into several of the disciplines described in this book that I'd never experienced before. Was there a casual connection? I do not know. And frankly, I do not care. It is enough to have obeyed the inner prompting from above. That is so important. You know, sometimes 
what steals from us is expecting that there be some cataclysmic big thing that will happen after I'm obedient. No, the obedience is all you need to do. What, what, all I need to do is, is, well, I believe this is what God wants me to do. Whether there is something on the end of it or not, don't be discouraged. You just did something wonderful. You followed the leading of your spirit. It is better to follow the leading of your spirit and find out that it was for, for nothing or that nothing seemed to happen than to not follow the leading of your spirit and become calloused toward God. That your, your spirit becomes seared. And, and um, you get to a place where nothing moves you. You're not even anticipating his voice. So I'd rather you go <clears throat> the opposite way home in obedience to the word of God than to go the normal way home and dismiss that voice and get there a lot quicker. Just being obedient. You never know. I never know what's going to happen on the other end of obedience. Just do it and just live a lifestyle of practicing that level of of obedience always. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's, you know, for someone to, to give, you know, you know, sometimes there's people out and on the street and you see them and, but this day you see them and something prompts you to give them something, give them something. You need to know what they're going to do with it, how they're going to use it, what they're going to no. Just be obedient to do what God tells you to do. You know, maybe someone on your own in the workplace for this time only, for whatever reason, God just tells you to go over there and Say hello to them or speak to them. And, you know, most of the time they look like they don't want anyone to speak to them. Do it anyway. You never know what's going to happen through your obedience. But what I believe what happens when we are obedient is it opens up a greater uh, uh, doorway for God's power and His Spirit to flow through our lives. So, let's move on here. Counseling in the giving of a confession. So here's the latter part of this is counseling in the giving of a confession. This is important. <laughs> this is really important. So, <clears throat> uh, number one, not only is it true that we love because we, are, we first loved us, but we are enabled to make confessions only and especially because he first loved us. First John 4, 1 John 4.1.19 the evidence of mercy and grace sparks a contrite heart and allows confession to flow. We are drawn to him, as Hosea tells us, with cords of compassion, with the bands of love. Hosea 11.4 We come with hopeful hearts for the one we are coming to waits for us like the father of the prodigal who saw his son when he was still a great way off and in compassion ran and embraced him and welcomed him back. His greatest delight is to forgive. Just think about that. What, what makes God God? What makes us, <clears throat> what is our most enduring, enduring characteristic of God? It is forgiveness. It, it, is, it is by far what I think defines who God is, is his willingness to forgive, his, his overwhelming willingness to forgive. So that should draw us to, to, um, <clears throat> to confession. It should draw us to desire that someone on the other end of this really wants to extend forgiveness to me. Maybe you think that God is back there sitting back saying, 
I don't know. I'm going to wait and see. I, you know, I don't know if I'm going to forget. Not like he's not like us. You know, he's not like us. We, he doesn't use this term, you know, I could never forgive that. We do. When I say we, we in general, humans, we, we use that. I, you don't know what happened. I could never forgive for that. But what if you knew someone that is their heartbeat? That's what they want to do and desire to do because they know the benefits that it will take on that person that they love to forgive. You know, uh, it, it grieves me when I see that. I think there's probably not, nothing more. You know, there's a lot of things, but that, that thing, not forgiving, not walking in forgiveness, being hardened in that area. It, it, and sometimes the people who are most hardened to not forgive are those who need forgiveness the most. You know, and so maybe there's a there's a connection there. The connection is uh, the unwilling, uh, my unwillingness to forgive has also caused me to not receive forgiveness. Because the Bible does tell us as we give, or in this case, forgive, it will be forgiven unto us. You know, I'm making up some stuff there, but 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 I do believe whatever we whatever whatever to whatever degree we give whatever measure we give it will be measured back to us so i i want a lot of forgiveness i desire to be forgiven and so in order for me to be to be forgiven i need to be open to forgive i need to be walk out forgiveness toward others now that sometimes things sting for a little while and you don't want to jump in there real quickly and say oh yeah you're forgiven and really hadn't dealt with it but after a while maybe a day maybe a month maybe a year Hopefully not a year, but you, you need to release people. You need to release it so that you can also be released. Number two, what do we do? St. Saint, Saint Alphonsus Liguori writes, For a good confession, three things are necessary. An examination of conscience, sorrow, and a determination to avoid sin. Let me say that one more time. To have a good confession, three things are necessary. An examination of your conscience, sorrow, and a determination to avoid sin. So let's look at each, each of these. It says, the examination of conscience. This is a time, as Douglas Steer writes, where a soul comes under the gaze of God. And where in his silent and loving presence, this soul is pierced to the quick and becomes conscious of the things that must be forgiven and put right before it can continue to love one whose care has been been so constant. In other words, for me that would mean this, is that for me to, to walk out confession, I need to, to readily put myself under the scope of God and allow his light to beam down into my my conscious man or, or to my, my soul and reveal those things that are just not right. They're not conscious. And the thing about it, it's like a con it's like a I think it's similar to uh, stage lighting. In other words, when you when you're using stage lighting, it only spots light spotlights one area of the stage or one person on the stage or maybe multiple people on the stage, but it, it, it the part that they don't want you to see, it doesn't show. Because bottom line is we can't handle everything that's there, I don't think. And so it takes times incrementally 
for us to deal with areas of our life and to be honest that that, that spotlight right now, that, that's what matters right now. That's what, what God wants us to deal with right now, not the other 10,000 things that might show up in the future, but that thing right there right now is hindering you from going forward. I remember for me, many years ago when I was going down to, uh, when I went down to um, the, and I can't even remember the name of it, the, um, uh, it was a big revival, the Brownsville, Brownsville revival. Myself and one other, a pastor friend of mine, we, we went down to Florida and uh, to the Brownsville revival. And it was, it was, it was powerful to be honest with you. And I remember being then there was there was a um, the regular uh, church uh, auditorium, and then there was an overflow. Well, we didn't get there in time for the regular uh, church uh, uh, auditorium, so we were in overflow. And I remember then I was again I was with a, a friend of ours, and I was there, and and the Spirit of God began to speak to me and examine and get draw uh, shine a light in a particular area of my life. And it was dealing with pride. He said, you are so prideful. And it was nothing glaring. It wasn't like, oh, George Logan, he's a prideful guy. Look at him. It was something that was very, very, I, I, I wouldn't have known it without the spotlight. And so, so I was sitting there, and, and uh, they called, had an altar call to come down front. And, and, uh, uh, and I sat there, and I was sitting there with my friend, and, and uh and here's what here's the voices that I was hearing. Uh, is he says, "What's he gonna think of you if you get up and go down there?" Now, now these are the thoughts that I was going through, pounding on me. Just, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I'm 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 getting deeper, deeper down in my seat, just refusing to respond to that altar call. And the more I heard the altar call, the deeper I wanted to go into the seat. And the Spirit of God kept on dealing with me as well. He kept on showing. He says, You're, you, are, you, you, you are dealing with pride. You have a pride about you, a pridefulness. You know? And so finally, by His grace, I walked down there. This has been probably 15, 20 years ago. And, uh, and I went down there whenever the Brownville, Brownville, Brown, Brownsville revival was. And I went down there, and I'm telling you, that move, I think it, it took me to the next level of ministry after that for myself. Uh, there was a breaking. There was something that I knew, as, I, as we said earlier, there was a knot that got unloosened at that very moment. And I'm so grateful for it. I'm so grateful that I finally, finally gave in and did it because at that point, that knot was released, and I left there, I left there and we went back to Florida. I was ready to come back to North Carolina. I was ready to go back to the ministry. I was ready to get fired, go back. And I know at that very moment, and I say that to you because something broke at that very moment. And I'm so very grateful for that. So he's going to deal with our conscious, our conscious man. <clears throat> We've got to keep moving here. <clears throat> so. Pierced uh, to the quick and becomes conscious of the things that must be forgiven and put right before it can continue to love one as to love one whose care has been so constant. We are inviting God to move upon the heart and show us areas that need His forgiving and healing touch. That's all it is, and He wants to. He's He's moving in our hearts 
not to, to condemn us, but to release us. You know, that's like someone's trying to give you a million dollars and you keep resisting. Get up and get the million dollars. That's how big it is. Number four, in this experience of opening ourselves to the gaze of God, we must be prepared to deal with the definite sins. A generalized confession may save us from humiliation and shame, but it will not ignite inner healing. The people who came to Jesus came with obvious, specific sins, and they were forgiven for each one of them. Can you imagine the woman? She didn't, she didn't even necessarily come to God. They, she was out there and, and uh, had, uh, had, uh, had been, uh, um, you know, un, a, a, what we would call an unfaithful woman or a, pr a promiscuous woman. And she came to Jesus. They knew everything about her. Knew, he knew everything about her. And they were about to stone her. And he said these words, He that without sin cast a first stone. And they all laid down their stones and they went away. So she, she raw, right there, raw, right in front of him. God, you see the heart of God. He's, his desire to forgive even those who are caught in the very sin. You know, sometimes, uh, and we don't want it to get there. We definitely don't want it to get there. Matter of fact, God gives us so much room, I believe, to, to come and confess to someone. Let somebody know. Let him know. To get that thing off of you so that you can shake it before your decision judges you. Not God judging you, but your decision will judge you. Whatever you decide after that, that thing that, is, that you've not dealt with, it will judge you. It will, it will pronounce a judgment on you. And God is saying, 100 miles away, deal with it. 75 miles away, deal with it. 60 miles away, deal with it. 50 miles away, come on, I'm trying to get to you. You better go and you better deal with it. You, you're sitting in church, you're listening to the messages, God is speaking to you, he's telling you, deal with it, deal with it, deal with those thoughts, deal with those things that are going on in your mind, because they're going to shipwreck you if you don't, deal with it, 25 miles away, 10 miles away, 5 miles away, 1 mile away, God is screaming at you, come on, I'm ready to forgive you and release you, and yet, we don't do it. And then we, we, not God, we make a decision. And that decision that we make pronounces a judgment upon us. When it would have been so easy at 100 miles to deal with it, at 50 miles to deal with it. God gives us so much room to repent, so much room to turn around. But we get so stiff-necked and hard-hearted about it that we don't want to move. We don't want to, because of pride, we don't want people to see us in a way that we don't want them to see us. And therefore, we keep on going until we fall right in a mud pile. And then everybody knows it. But thanks be to God that even when the mud is there, he's still going to love you and clean you up if you will let him. If you won't allow you, even that to condemn you. But it, all of that is not necessary. Number five, in our desire to be specific, we must not, however, run to the opposite danger, remember this, of being unduly concerned to route out every last detail in our lives. That is important. You're gonna, you will mess your head up trying to, trying to figure out all the bad stuff. With profound common sense, Francis DeSalle's counsels, do not feel worried if you do not remember all your little piccadillies, piccadillos. That means stuff that are marked are not that consequential. In confession, for as you often fall imperceptibly, 
so you are often raised up imperceptibly. In other words, don't don't get don't get caught in the weeds. Deal with the stuff that God is showing you, and move on. And 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 so doing, you you will you will reap. All right. Number six, sorrow is necessary for a good confession. Sorrow, as it relates to confession, is not primarily an emotion, though emotions may be involved. It is an abhorrence at having committed the sin, a deep regret at having offended the heart of the Father. Sorrow is an issue of the will before it is an issue of the emotions. In fact, being sorrowful in the emotions without a godly sorrow and the will destroys the confession. Sorrow. There should be godly sorrow. The Bible says godly sorrow leads to what? Repentance. There should be something that, oh, God, I sinned against you. And you alone. Forget everything else. I, I sinned. And sorrow. Deep sorrow. Not emotions. not But sorrow. Like that really hurt me that I hurt you. And when that happens... We're on our way to a good confession. Number seven, a determination to avoid sin is the third essential for a good confession. In the discipline of the confession, we ask God to give us a yearning for holy living. Let's ask him for that right now. God, give me a yearning for holy living. It is by his grace. You know, because our flesh is never going to come along with that. It doesn't want holy living. It needs holy living, but it doesn't want it. But your mind can train it to desire those things that are right and good. Okay? So, God, give us all a desire for holy living. A hatred for unholy living. John Wesley once said, Give me 100 preachers who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God. Such alone will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven on earth. It is the will to be delivered from sin that, ha that we seek from God as we, prepare to, as we prepare to make confessions. We, may, we must desire to be conquered and ruled by God, or it, if we do not desire it, to desire to desire, to desire to desire it. Such a desire is a gracious gift from God. Desire to desire it. Desire to desire to live a holy life. Desire to desire Ask God, help me to desire what you desire. Help me to hate what you hate. Help me to love what you love. Help me to despise what you despise. And that will go take us a long way. The seeking of this gift is one of the primary, primary preliminaries for confession to a brother or sister. One further note on the preparation for confession. There must be a definite determination point in self-examination process. Otherwise, we can easily fall into the permanent habit of self-condemnation. We don't want to tilt over there. Stay balanced. Don't get over there and, and just condemn yourself every day and I'm such a bad this and I can't do that. No, that is so contrary to who you are now in Christ. So don't get over into that place. There is celebration in the forgiveness of sins because it results in the genuinely changed life. Then there is the practical matter of whom we should go to confess. It is quite correct theologically to say that every Christian believer can receive the confession of another, but not every Christian believer will have sufficient empathy and understanding. The key qualifications are spiritual maturity, wisdom, compassion, good common sense, and the ability to keep a confidence and a wholesome sense of humor. Listen to that and then we'll, we'll, we'll stop. Here's, 
before you start opening your mouth and telling everybody everything about your life and thinking that that's what we're talking about, only a few people qualify. Maybe, maybe just one person that you know in your life will qualify for you to share some deep stuff. If they don't fit this spiritually mature, wise, compassionate, good common sense, the ability to keep a confidence and a wholesome sense of humor, then you don't need to be talking to them. Okay? Choose wisely who you share with. And that means when you share with someone about the things that are going on in your life, you need to know, man, it is lock, stock, and barrel. They're not going to go off and tell nobody. They're not going to blink when, they, when you say it. They're not going to, you know, like, oh, my goodness, man. Who, who, what in the world? Who are you? No, you got to be have somebody not even going to bat an eye. Someone is going to understand themselves in the light of Scripture and know what they've been delivered from, know what how God has saved their lives, and are walking in compassion all the time. You need to find that that type of person. Pastors are good. Some pastors are good at that. Some pastors you can confide in and share with. You know, sometimes I've had people come to me as a pastor, and 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 and, and some of them have said, you know, man, one I know in particular said, man, if I'd have known it was like this, I'd have come a lot sooner. You know, because that's that we can be a big mitt, baseball mitt, catching the stuff that comes into your life and hold it, grab hold of it, tuck it away and let you know that it's okay and pray over you, speak the word of God over you and declare everything's okay. So enough said uh, about tonight. Do receive that. Uh, Remember that 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 God wants us to be free. It is for freedom that God has set us free. The spirit of where the spirit of the Lord there is liberty. And part of that is finding that out. And, and I don't know, you ask God, you ask the Holy Spirit, should you, should you do something like this? Is there something that may cause you to go deeper? Maybe this is something you've not ever heard before or something you definitely don't want to do. I, I pray that you would seek someone out. Especially if you're a member of this church and you feel comfortable at coming to me, you're welcome to do so. Or find someone that that that, that in this church uh, that you know, man, that's a that that's a wise person, that's a godly person, that's a compassionate person, that's a mature believer. Uh, hey, you mind if I come by? I need to share something with you. Write them down if you choose, and share those things with them. God bless you. I hope you've learned something tonight. I have, and um, and I, we're going higher and deeper and stronger and longer and all those types of things. We're making a mark in this world. Uh, remember uh, prayer on Friday, and then. Uh, two times for service on Sunday, eight eight o'clock and uh, or eight thirty and a ten o'clock. God bless you. We love you. We appreciate you. Let's pray and then we'll close out. Father, we thank you for this time together and we praise you for all that you're doing in each one of our lives. We praise you, Father, for giving us uh, the will to love what you love, do what you do, desire what you desire, and to spend time in your presence. We give you praise for it now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. There's anyone out there tonight that uh, you know this is this is our regular Bible study night. We're not in service, but we we still receive. We normally receive offerings. You're will, you're more than willing to, uh, or you're more than, um, or you you can give online, or you can mail, or you can uh, uh, do it uh, by way of the app that that you can pick up on our www.newdaycc.com. We appreciate we appreciate your support. God is our sustainer. God is the one who gives us 
uh, the, these things. We praise you. Uh, we thank God for you cooperating and partnering with God to support this ministry. And we bless you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful evening.